with us today, and uh, we're so delighted that you would be here on the day after Christmas, and we're so thankful for uh, the way God has used this Christmas season here. Uh, there is a, an old sermon by a guy named Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall was the chaplain for the United States Senate during World War II. He pastored a Presbyterian church there in Washington, D.C., and he was a very gifted orator. And after his death, many of his, many of his sermons were published. He, he died prematurely in his 40s. And uh, one of those sermons was called, Let's Keep Christmas. And I, I've always loved that sermon, the, the idea of being able to keep Christmas going. I mean, because on Christmas, people are nicer to each other, all right? On Christmas, people smile a little bit more. I mean, even in a pandemic, there's this sense that, that Christmas is a special, special time. And so this concept of let's keep Christmas has always been really kind of special to me. And, and yet every year on this Sunday after Christmas, when we've all opened our gifts and we've had the family get-togethers, and, and then in the next few days, even though things are slow for a little while, then we, we, end, up, we end up kind of drifting back into our routines. And throughout this Christmas season, it's really been heavy on my heart to, to help us as the followers of Jesus, whether we're people who worship on campus or people who worship online or, or people who choose when and where they're going to worship and just on demand decide to, hey, you know, today's, today's Tuesday at 2 o'clock, it's time to worship, all right? Uh, whatever it is in our world, what's been on my heart is that, you know what, right now the world needs us. Right now, the world needs the people of God to tell the story of God because the promise of God is that God is with us and that he never leaves us and he never abandons us. And, and that's why we've, we've promised throughout this month to keep telling you about what it means for the Christmas light to shine. And so today, as we wrap up this Advent and Christmas series called The Christmas Light, I, I, I thought perhaps we ought to, we ought to look at what it means to live out the things we say we believe from Christmas. And, and so in order to do that, I want to go back and pick up a passage that I read Friday night. For those of you who were here for our, uh, our on-campus uh, Christmas Eve service and, and for those of you who watched us online as we streamed it. Because I, I, I was overwhelmed. I told our staff a number of times, I have no idea how many people to expect for Christmas Eve service this year back on campus. And, and quite honestly, it was a very special night. And we're so grateful for the hundreds of you who came out uh, for that special service. And so I would like to pick up from 1 John. I, I told you Friday night that, that 1 John is a, is a book that I I like out of all of John's readings. I mean, John wrote the gospel. He also wrote the revelation, but he also wrote these three letters that are in the back of your New Testament. And, and those, those three letters are very practical in nature. And so Friday evening, I, I read for you the first few verses. And, and what I want to do is read those again. So in case perhaps you missed Friday night, you can pick up on where John is and what he's trying to say in this letter to Christians in the first century. Listen, from John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, 
which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we've seen it, and we testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Some translations actually say so that your joy will be complete. So John opens this letter by saying to a group of people in the first century, look, Christmas is very special, the birth of Jesus. He was from the beginning. He's with us. And and now now because he's been with us, it's not enough just to, to take one day or one month, or a season of life, and just point toward Jesus and celebrate. No, no, if Jesus really is God with us, if Jesus really does care about us individually, then what Jesus wants us to do is to change the way we live to match the way he lives. To live a lifestyle that that is in congruence, that, that comes under his authority, and for that life to be a permanent way of life for us. Uh, years ago, I, I ran across some research that I found extremely interesting uh, about electricity. Uh, if you've ever seen the huge power lines that run across our country, the electrical lines, have you ever noticed that, that those lines, those power lines, those huge cables are always offset from each other? You don't, you don't see one of them directly underneath uh, the other one when it's a high-voltage tower. And the reason for that, for those of you who are electricians, for those of you who have studied physics, you, you'll understand what I'm saying because when those powerful lines come in, you can literally run high enough voltage through the line on top that it will jump to the line on the bottom. And, and when that happens, the same power is in both lines. And if you're trying to run electricity from one site to another site, that can become a powerfully bad problem. And so they offset the lines. But that image has been so important in my life because here's what it says to me. The Christmas story is about a God who's with us. A God who loved us enough to be born in a manger as a baby. The one and only Son of God. And he came to show us how God intended for us to live. Not just for us to celebrate the fact that he came, but for us to live like he lived. And so our lives are to come underneath his authority in such a way that the power of his life transfers into our life. Because all of us who've tried to live good moral lives on our own, all of us who've tried to be good, solid people without the power of Jesus in our life, all of us who've tried that have failed. Now, sometimes we don't admit we fail, but we all fail at trying to do it by ourselves. And Christmas is about the fact that God is with us so we don't have to do it by ourselves. And so when John writes to this group of people and he says, look, I'm writing about Jesus and his birth and, and what took place, what I've actually seen with my eyes, what, the fact that I've actually touched him. I, I know him to be real and I do this to make my joy and to make your joy complete. Then he says this amazing thing starting in verse five. This is the message we have heard from Jesus and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. 
If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What John is trying to say to the people reading this letter in the first century, what God is trying to say to the people down throughout the centuries who have celebrated the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. Is it the light came into the darkness? Yes. But that the light came into the darkness so that you and I could walk in the light. And walking in the light is a different way of living than walking in the darkness. The power of God is is transferred down into our life through the presence of the Spirit of God with us. And as John describes it, there are There are four things that happen when we allow that to take place. Now, not everything in the world breaks down into three points, four points, five points, whatever, but this one, this one actually does. These are four four key components of what it means to live your life in the light of Christ, to let the Christmas light stay in you, to keep Christmas, as Peter Marshall told us, in our life day after day after day. So if you're a note taker today, you're going, to want to, you're going to want to write these four things down. If you've got our app, if you've downloaded our app, you can, you can use the sermon notes portion there. If you're online with us, it'll be over in the chat room. There's a connection there for you to, for you to see these, these principles, these core values of what it means to walk in the light. Because as I told you a number of times in the last six months, light always overcomes darkness. It, darkness cannot overcome the light because the light is more powerful than the darkness. And so the first thing that John tells us is that when we, when we are walking in the light with Christ, then, then there's something that takes place where our walk verifies our talk. Now, now that's, that's an important thing. I mean, it's the place you have to start. Because for most of us, we talk a much better game than we walk. Most of us talk a much better Christianity than we live out. Most of us have higher expectations and we think better of ourselves. Some of us have a little problem with self-issue and self-worth. But the fact of the matter is, when we come to talking about who we are in Christ, many of us talk a much better game than we walk. When I was a sophomore in college, I was back on campus early for fall football. It was my second year of playing football, and God had blessed. I'd had a great freshman campaign and, and had, had been one of the guys that was getting a whole lot of playing time as a freshman. And I remember watching the new freshman come in. Now I'm one of the veterans. And I'm standing in line as we're going through 40-yard dash times, and they're, they're running the 40-yard dash. And I'm standing in front of a teammate who the previous year, his junior year, had, had rushed for almost 1,000 yards. When I say almost, I mean he rushed for 997 yards. 
In fact, the last game, they were trying so hard to get him the ball to get him the last three yards when the game ended and he didn't have the last three. I watched, I watched grown men because this was the 70s and some of my teammates had been in Vietnam before they came to college. These were grown men who were playing football together. And uh, I watched them cry because they were the linemen and they couldn't get him that other three yards and they loved him so much. And Dave was standing behind me as we're running 40-yard dash times. And there's this new young freshman and he came in, and I'm telling you right now, he, he had the look. He was cut. He had lifted weights. He, had, he, he honestly came into the locker room, and you looked at him, and you thought, man, this kid is good. And he had all the press clippings. He had a great high school career over in Ohio. And he was, I mean, he was the buzz of camp. Everybody's like, man, this kid, this kid can go. Now, remember, this is Anderson college at the time. We're in NAI school. It was a, it was a good NAIA football program but it, at that time, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't, a, it wasn't the Big Ten. It, 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 was, it, wasn't, you know, it wasn't the Southeastern Conference. It, it wasn't a Division I program. It was a good NAIA program. And what, what I remember is when that young man, that freshman came in, and I mean, he, he, ran, he ran a 40-yard dash time. I promise you, my friend Dave with his 997 yards, had never run that fast in his life. And when that kid ran, the, ran that 40-yard dash time, I turned, looked at Dave, and said, brother, you better look out. Because I'm just telling you right now, this kid talks a game, and he's fast. To which Dave, being a senior in college, a veteran of the program, turned and looked at me and said, if he was that good, he wouldn't be here. If he was that good, he wouldn't be here. Not at all. And I thought, eh. that, that freshman never played the first game and quit the team before the end of the season. He had all the talk, none of the walk. My friend Dave went on to set records and be a leader on the team to be the man he was. Because you see, his walk verified his talk. What, what John is saying to us is this. If, 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 we're gonna, if we're gonna follow Jesus, if we're gonna step out of the darkness into the light, then, then look at what he says to us. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we keep walking in the darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. This, this year, as you finish up 2021 and head into 2022, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to be people who allow your walk to verify your talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to find that place where the power transfers from God into your life. Drop all the religious language. Drop all the pretense, all the out exterior holy attitude, and be real and be authentic and live in such a way that the Spirit of God is in your life and asking you, showing you how to walk time after time. I mean, we're living in a world right now where if we want to shine the light of Jesus, this, this first core component is essential. Because right now, 
Nobody knows who to believe. Nobody knows what to believe. I mean, we actually have, have a local television station that runs a whole program called Verify because so many lies are being told, so many half-truths, so much, so much rhetoric that is not resonating with the truth. And so if we want to keep Christmas... If we want to be the light of Christ, if we want to walk in the light of Christ, then let's, let's begin to be the people who, whose walk verifies our talk. But, but it doesn't stop with just you. No, listen, th- th- this, is, this is where it gets really fun. Because you see, when we connect to God, our connection to God connects us to others. See, I, I think that's, that's very important for us to pick up and understand that if we're going to walk the walk, if we're going to let our walk verify our talk, then, then we've got to be so connected to God that we allow God to connect us to others. And if you're connected to God and I'm connected to God, it's a natural, natural connection. My friend Bishop Timothy Clark says it this way, there are too many people who are trying to create unity when the reality is that Jesus died and created unity. Because the unity of the body of Christ and the unity of humanity is not based on the effort of human beings. It's based on the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. We are already unified at the foot of the cross. The idea is not for us to work to make unity. No, the idea is for us to identify where God is already creating the unity. Where God is already connecting the people Because when we connect to Jesus, if I'm connected to Jesus and you're connected to Jesus, you and I, I've told you this many, many times in my life here as your pastor. If you and I are just alike, one of us is useless. You think it's me. I'm pretty sure it's you. We're not to be clones of one another. No, we're to be connected to God who unifies us so that even in our distinctions, even in our differences, we are are unified by the power of God at work in Jesus Christ by his connection to our individual lives. And and I, I really can't emphasize enough how important this is gonna be, how important it already is coming out of the time of isolation and shift and culture that we were coming out of. Some of you are like, Pastor, it doesn't feel like we're coming out very fast. I didn't say we're coming out fast. I said we're coming out of it. There's going to be a day, there's going to be a day when some of the barriers to connection that are existing now will not exist. The question is, when that day comes, will we be so connected to God that we allow him to connect us to others? Or will we be so individual, so wrapped up in our self-centeredness, so convinced that our side was right and the other side was wrong, that we, we end up missing what Jesus really wants us to see? I mean, look at the way John says it. If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, 
And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now think about that for a minute. If, if, we're, if we're letting our walk verify our talk, and we're connected to God so that he connects us to each other, then suddenly as the people of the kingdom of God, as the people who follow Jesus for the pattern of our life, then, then suddenly in that connection, there's, there's something that takes place. The, the Bible refers to it as the fellowship of the saints. In, the, in, in this movement called the Church of God, we would, we would talk about it in terms of have we seen the church? Uh, in my very first congregation as a senior pastor, the, the congregation had been started by uh, a gentleman named John R. Harris. He was the church planting revivalist kind of pastor who actually would start churches by getting off a train in a community and finding a place near the courthouse and putting his pocket knife into the telephone pole next to the courthouse, hang his hat on it, and stand there and start to preach and call up a church. And his widow was still alive when I became the pastor of that church almost 30 years after he had planted it. And, and one day I, I got a call from one of her children and said, hey, mama's not doing well but she's doing a little better right now at the nursing home and her mind's a little bit clear. And, um, but some days she's not so clear. And, and pastor, would you, she, she's, she's met every pastor we've ever had. She wants to meet you. You're the new pastor. And so I made a point, made an appointment with her to go down and the people at the nursing home had her all dressed and ready to go. And, and here I am, 25 years old, as the new pastor of the church, her husband started. And I walked into her room and she's sitting there. She had these nice little lace gloves on and she had a little purse in her lap and she's just sitting there all dressed up and I, I walked around and I looked at her and I said, uh, Sister Harris, I'm Carrie Robinson. I'm the new pastor at Scott Memorial Church where your husband started the church. She looked at me, first words out of her mouth, you're kind of young to be the pastor, aren't you? Like, yes, ma'am, I am. And uh, she said, well, I'm glad you came to see me. I've really got just one question for you. Have you seen the church? Now, folks, I just came from the church. I left my office and drove to her nursing home. <laughs> And I, and, I, and, I, and I thought to myself, well, her kids did say that she had a little bit of dementia going on. You know, I'm like, well, yes, ma'am. I just, I mean, the church looks fine. I was there just 10 minutes ago. She goes, I'm not talking about that building. I said, oh, excuse me. She said, I'm talking about the people of God, the body of Christ. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Pastor, I need to know, have you seen the church? Y yes, ma'am. Suddenly, I remembered my grandmother asking me that same question. Son, have you, have you seen the church? What, what are they asking? They're, they're asking, have you seen the body of Christ at work? Have you seen the place where the walk verifies the talk? Have you seen the place where there's a connection, where, where that connection to God is so much that it connects you to other people, and that when you do that, it begins to work in your life? Now, here's the Here's the interesting part. 
When the body of Christ becomes a passion in your life, when the people of God become the community of faith, when we rise beyond being simply some kind of denomination or some kind of church group or some kind of organized movement into this beautiful, God-ordained body of people who actually know Jesus, who actually trust the Holy Spirit, who allow our life to be brought underneath the power of God that transfers down through the Spirit's work into us, then suddenly, suddenly things start happening in our life and this ability to confess who Jesus is connects us with the way he wants to cleanse us from all sin now it doesn't mean we're perfect please hear that you confessing your sin doesn't mean you suddenly rise up from that prayer and you are the perfect human being commissioned to tell the rest of the world just how good you are or what they should be doing no, what, what this confession does is this, this confession cleanses us. It creates our cleansing. When we say to Jesus, Jesus, you be in charge of my life, Christmas is more than a story that I read about. Christmas is more than a holiday we celebrate. Christmas is about God with us, and the God with us brings us to this place where we look at him and say, you know what, I have a little problem with this. I lie sometimes. I'm proud sometimes. I hold grudges. I, 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 don't, I, I don't really, really love some people in my life. I, I cheat at business. I, I've cheated on my marriage vows. I mean, you just keep taking the list of stuff that dirties your soul. And, and what John says is this, look, if you're gonna walk in the light and be connected to God, then it's not through your effort that suddenly you become a better person. It's through the work of the Spirit of God who cleanses you. Look at it. If we say we have no sin. In other words, I'm perfect. I don't need a problem. Have you ever met somebody like that? I don't need to go to church. I don't, I don't need those people over there. I, I got my life together just like it is. And yet in that arrogance, there's a sense of not acknowledging how much we all need God. If we say we have no sin, this is the, this is the part of it I love. We deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now what, what, what's he trying to say? What he's trying to say, I think, is this. When we walk around as if we don't need God, when we walk around as if we don't need Jesus to forgive us for the stuff in our life, when we walk around as if we've got it all together, we're deceiving ourselves. We're living with a, with, a, with a distorted view of who we really are. <laughs> Have you ever been to a hall of mirrors? Like, you know, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, those of you on campus, because I know you would be embarrassed to admit that when that carnival comes through down on Scatterfield Road, you actually spent money there, all right? But if you ever, if you ever went there and, and they had that hall of mirrors and you, you went in, have you seen what they can do with a mirror to your image? In fact, one of my favorite cartoons is, is, uh, is the, the caption of it is, is what men see when they look in the mirror versus what their wife sees when they look at the man. And the first cartoon is what the wife sees, right? And it's a guy, forgive me, fellas, 
with a hairdo like mine, and he's put on a whole bunch of pounds, and he's kind of slouched over, and he hadn't shaved, and you know, he's kind of wearing a bathrobe half undone. And then it says what the man sees when he looks in the mirror, and it's Superman, all right? It's like, yeah! See, sometimes the reflection can be distorted if it's not connected to the authentic power. And, and what, what Christmas is about is about the real connection so that our walk verifies our talk, our connection to God connects us to each other, and the cleansing of our sin, it, it, it's created it's created by our confession that, you know what, we don't really have it all together. And when all that happens, then we're walking in the light, and the light we experience becomes the light that we shine. It becomes the light that we shine into the world. Because, you see, the light we shine is a, is a reflection of the light that's shined on us. And... That's why John writing says, look, if you say you've never sinned, you lie. In fact, look at what he says. If we say we've not sinned, we make Jesus a liar. We make God a liar. Because God is the one who said to us, without a connection to me, your life is broken. If we... If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word, Jesus, is not in us. That's why this Christmas, this day after Christmas 2021, I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking to you about what it means to shine the light. To let the light of Christ shine through you. <laughs> 